Samuel was a prophet. A prophet is someone who can see sometimes what others cannot see. Not just predicting the future. Many times a prophetic view is simply seeing what God is doing now. Being able to see the signs of what God is up to. And Samuel had been that. God had given him the word to anoint a new king. And so he anointed the first king of Israel, Saul. And one day came when God spoke to Saul and asked him to do something. It had to do with a battle and against a very evil group of people. And, uh, and, and so Saul obeyed that and he went into battle, but he didn't quite do everything God had told him to do. And he had rationalized in his mind why he should keep a few things. You know, God said destroy all that stuff, and he kept a few things. And he did it actually for good reasons, but he was disobeying God. Sometimes you can do a good thing knowing that it's not what God told you to do. And so uh, he did that, and when he did that, Samuel was beside himself. He thought, what have we done? We have a leader. He's even won a battle here. But he didn't do what God called him to do. He didn't really fulfill what God had called him to fulfill. In fact, he willingly disobeyed God. And so he confronted Saul on this, and Saul gave him the excuse of what he had done. And Samuel said, I mean, uh, and uh, Samuel told him that, that God, you know, was rejecting him over this. He said, please take me to a place of repentance or let me worship and you know, and, and he said, look, you know, what you've done, you've done. This is, this is Old Covenant. This is the Old Testament, okay? If you just came to know Jesus, start reading the New Testament, okay? And then go back later and understand the Old Testament, okay? Don't get confused about a way of life. Go to the New, and then you'll understand better what was happening in the Old. But as, as uh, Samuel uh, went into his place of intimacy with God, he was so depressed and frustrated. He felt the need for change, and a question was arising in his mind, a question that rises in our minds as we look at a nation, as we look at a family or a community, and, and we see something going downhill, and we see people walking the wrong way and, and, uh, and taking the wrong path and destruction happening as a result. What do you do about it? And, and in this case, God had anointed this man to be king. And so Samuel's question was like this. How, what does God do when he wants to change a direction? What does God do when he wants to change direction? And so the, you see the scripture I have, and Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted he had made Saul king over Israel. Are you kidding me? That will mess your theology up. God has him anoint him as king, and then God regrets what he has done. Try to figure that one out. You'll, you can write a book, you'll sell it, make a million dollars. God regretted what he had done. And so Samuel was feeling this. 
And the Lord came to him, and in 1 Samuel 16:1 it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. I'm going to give you the answer to that big question. What does God do when he wants to change direction? The answer is simple, and it's happened throughout all of history. He calls for the rise of leadership. He calls for the rise of leadership. He calls for the rise of leadership. Now, you can see this through the whole historical narrative. When the whole planet had rebelled against God, God called Noah to rise up in leadership. When God saw that all the nations of the earth were walking in wickedness, God developed a family by calling Abraham to rise up in leadership. His family began to produce, and they started rejecting God's ways. And God called one of the sons of Jacob, Joseph, to rise up in leadership. And you can go down the list. Moses, Joshua, David, the prophets. Even Jesus fits that description. How did God change the direction of the whole narrative of relationship with God and how to change the world? And what did he do? He raised up a leader, his own son, from birth. It was all about the rise of leadership. By the way, that's going to be the core of my message next week on Mother's Day. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to talk about the, the mother of Jesus and how she had to deal with this rise of leadership. This is what Jesus did. Jesus passed the baton to the apostles, and they were the rise of leadership. But even those 12 were not the final answer. They, they had titles, they had position, but on Pentecost, the original Pentecost Sunday, 2,000 years ago, when the Holy Spirit was sent, the same anointing, the, the picture of David being anointed with oil as the rise of leadership is the prototype of the church on the day of Pentecost, being filled with the Holy Spirit and God calling all of his people to rise in leadership. Before that, leaders had titles, positions, and really everyone just kind of you know, relegated all of the work in their direction. But in the new covenant, under the rule of the kingdom of God from within, the Holy Spirit, God's presence in all of us. In the old covenant, there were priests and there were kings. In the New Testament, you're actually called priests and kings. Everyone is carrying the authority of Christ in them. And we've all been called to rise up to the place of leadership. And when God wants to change something, then he calls for a rise in leadership. That's what he does. We've all been praying for revival. If you've been part of this church, I would say, you know, we've, 
We've taken prayer walks around the city, 30 miles. We've, uh, we did that three times, by the way. They were all 30-mile trips, but we marched the city of Buffalo three times. We, we have prayer meetings once a month. We pray before the service on Sunday morning, other times of fasting and prayer. And almost every time we come together, there's somebody that's going to lean into, Lord, bring revival to our city. But listen, you can look throughout history, even the revivals that we call revival, like the Great Awakening in America. God raised up men like Charles Spurgeon. He was the rise of leadership that led us into that revival. He, he had more to do with uh, the abolition of slavery than we give him credit for. He preached against slavery before the Civil War. You, you, you go into Europe and the Great Awakening in Europe, John Wesley. There are names attached to that because God would raise up fresh leadership. That's what he does. So don't mistake. Don't, don't look at revival and think, oh, you know, revival's got to look like what I've seen in the past. Some of you who have been around for a while and you had some kind of revival happen that you were part of. And listen, sometimes I think to myself, I don't want it to look like that, okay? And, and some of you are say, might be saying, well, I want it to look like that. Well, you might miss it. And just, just think, what's even happening in our church right now needs to happen in every family, in every community, in every city, in every nation. God raises up fresh leadership, and he will change our direction as a result. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something, a little demonstration here, something fun, and uh, I hope you don't mind me pick, not picking on you, but actually identifying a few of you, if I can do that. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so, if you've been... I'm going to name a several categories of the last year. So in the last year, if you have just started coming to Life Church, or if you have just come to the Lord in this last year, or maybe you had been walking away from God and you've come back to the Lord this last year, or you were baptized, we've had two baptism services here, if you've been baptized in the last year, or if you're between the ages of 1 to 18, so if you're a teenager sitting in the service, I want you to all stand. Everybody I just described, stand. You've been coming to church in the last year here. You just started coming in the last year. Look at this, okay? All right. Remain standing. Remain standing. I'm going to speak to you for just a moment. There are two kinds of people in this church, you're one kind, that I'm going to call new leadership. Now, you're not going to think of yourself as a leader. You're going to think, no, he's not talking about me. No, 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 listen, listen. When God does something, he raises up newness. When, when last week on Sunday morning at 4.30 in the morning, there's a lady in this church, she might be here today, a young lady who was struggling with her relationship with God and with her life, and she calls, she texts her friend at 4.30 in the morning, where do you go to church? Is it this church? She had found a church online. Is it this church? And her friend texted back and said, yes. And she texted back and said, I want to go there this morning. This was last Sunday. She comes here to church, gives her heart to Christ, gets in line for baptism and is baptized. Last week. Okay. Now listen, let me tell you something. That lady is now a leader. She can now share her faith with her friends or anybody. She now is leading people closer to God because she has gotten closer to God. Do you see what I'm saying? 
She doesn't need a title, position. She doesn't even need years of training. She doesn't even have to take a class to be a leader. She just has to wake up in the morning and wear the identity, I've been called of God to be a leader. So I'm telling you, you are the new leadership in Life Church. You're going to take the fresh breath of air that's in this place in the last year, and you're going to move it on to another level. That's who you are. And so don't shy back from, I haven't been here. Here are those people who've been here a long time. They seem to you know, know a lot about the Bible and all of that. Don't worry about any of that. That'll all come together. The Holy Spirit will bring us wherever we need to be. Just jump in there and start getting involved because you are the new thing, and God wants to use you. You can be seated. Thank you very much. Give them a hand this morning. <laughs> Woo! All right. So there are new leaders, and the rest of us who were seated, which includes me, by the way, I'm not in this group, are the lead leaders. Notice I'm using nice terms. We are the lead leaders. We've been around, we've been leading, and we've, we've really gotten into a, a flow and a culture of who we are. We kind of know what we believe, and, and, and we've developed relationships, and, and we, when we come into Life Church, you know, there's kind of, there are some expectations. We expect certain things to happen because we're getting settled in that, and we kind of like it. It feels good. That's why you're here. There are some things that you like about being here or relationships that you've developed, and you, you're connecting with all of that, and you're just feeling really good about it. And so, so, and you've been leading other people in the past, and so I'm going to call us lead leaders. Here's the problem. The problem is sometimes that lead leaders can get caught in a rut. We can get stuck in the place of familiarity. And so we like what we like, and please don't mess it up. We don't say that, and we, we'll, we'll clap, you know, when the pastor talks about it, and we think ourselves, no, I'm not that way, but in actuality, we are. Okay, so, so I'm just, I'm, I'm calling this because can you imagine, listen, this happens in families, anytime a new kid is born in a family, like this morning with Samantha, listen, when you want to grow up, you want to you mature, you want to you grow in Christ, get married and have a baby. Listen, children, children will, will grow you up really fast. Man, I had five of them, and I'm, I'm, I'm out matured out, <laughs> okay? So I understand what that means. Listen, you, you uh, when, but what God does in a community or in a city, when, what he does is he brings, when he wants change, he brings in newness. And so our job, these lead leaders who've been hanging around for a while, our job is in to embrace and become a part of the newness. We have to not just be lead leaders anymore. We have to kind of let go and grab hold of a new atmosphere, a new thing that God is doing and begin to open our eyes and broaden our perspective and begin to flow with the focus of what we know the Holy Spirit is, is leading us into. So you can be Samuel and embrace the rise of leadership. Or you can be Saul and reject the rise of leadership. We'll get there. Or what I think we should do, what I've chosen to do is to be David 
and experience the rise of leadership. I could easily be Saul in this scenario. I could even be Samuel and go, yay, but no. I've decided I am not going to be Moses and have to die for Joshua to take hold of the leadership. I, I said to Peter, and you've heard me say this, but I said to him a number of times, you do not have the corner market on being Joshua. I am taking on the Joshua spirit, not the Moses is dead spirit. I'm not going to be Saul in this scenario. I'm not even going to be Samuel. I'm going to be David. I'm going to take on a fresh anointing and open my heart and mind to new levels of giving and serving and ministry. And that's what he's called all of us to do. Don't get stuck in the rut. Don't think you've got to hang on to a position or a title. Learn to let go so God can lift you to another level. Okay, so how do we experience the rise of leadership? Now, I'm going to use the life of David in the next few minutes to give you an outline. How do we experience, not just embrace, certainly not reject, but how do we experience the rise of leadership? Number one, we see the need. We see the need. This takes Samuel's mindset. Samuel so much saw the need. You can imagine Saul was very happy about winning that battle. The people of Israel thought, man, we've got a king. We're doing a good thing. We even won that battle. Samuel is over, bent over. He is, he is desperate for something else. He won't even go back and see Saul again because he realizes the need. He sees the need that, that they are becoming a, a uh, they're becoming a, a hardened people against what God wants, and they want to do it their own way. Saul is settling in to his position. He's beginning to like, you know, being taken care of and people bringing him things, and he's beginning to like the attention, and, you know, he's beginning to like this palace and, and all that comes with it, and he's, he's telling himself, I'm smart enough to do this, and I can do it my way. Oh, yeah, I'm listening to God, but, you know, I mean, I could add this or take away that. He, he was arriving at a place that would take him, them downhill fast, and Samuel felt it. He saw it. He was driven by it. He was grieved, and that's what it says. Samuel grieved over Saul. He saw the need. How do you feel about what's happening in our nation as a whole? Did you know, you know what an unreached people group is? I'm, I'm involved in missions, and an unreached people group is a, you know, like a remote tribe that's never heard anything about Jesus, and so uh, they don't have, you know, a church among them and that kind of thing. So you would think there's not an unreached people group in the United States because we've got churches everywhere, uh, the gospel's on television, radio, and certainly everybody is hearing the gospel. We have an unreached people group in our nation. Anybody that's between the ages of about 1 and 30, the current millennials, are an unreached people group. There are only about 6% of the millennials that have ever opened a Bible or attend a church regularly. The current generation that they have not named yet, the ones in grade school, high school, that generation, people are watching and actually studying to find out who they are. And, and so, and listen, 
if you haven't begun to feel the pain of what's happening in our own nation, the need for the rise of leadership. There was a woman at our Saturday gathering, micro church at four o'clock on Saturdays, and so yesterday, and I was sharing this message, but she comes occasionally to our church, and she goes to another church that's a distance away, and she lives a distance away, but she loves coming here when she can. And she hadn't been here a long time. She came and she said, I had to come today because my son, 13 years old, has just gotten in trouble with the law. He's in trouble with our family. Our family's almost broken up over this. And I just need, I just needed to come to church today. And she comes and, and she's sitting there. And I'm thinking as I talk to her before the service, I can't wait to hear this message. Because that woman is what I'm talking about. She feels it. It's in her home. And so she feels the pain of a generation that is getting lost. That pain will drive her to prayer and has. That pain will drive her to intercession and stand between her child and God and to begin standing there on his stead and believing for his salvation and his walking with God. That's what we need for a whole generation. We need to learn how to see the need and feel the burden for what's happening. Number two, we need to receive the call and anointing. All right, let's look at David. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. I mean, I can... Guess what that means, but man, what in the world is that? The Holy Spirit came on and, and, uh, and rushed upon David from that day forward. The Holy Spirit, wow. This is a picture of Pentecost, by the way. Maybe you've never thought that, but it is, it is a prototype of the Holy Spirit coming on God's people. You are to be anointed that same way. David was only about 14 years old at the time. And really, he's out in the, the, the pastures, and, and Samuel comes by obedience to this family in Bethlehem called Jesse, this, this man called Jesse, and said, bring me your sons. One of them is going to be king. And, and so Samuel looks at the first one and says, Lord, he looks good. And the Lord said, mm-mm. And he looked at the second one and said, what about him, Lord? He'd be a good candidate. Nope, not him. And he went down the line, and he looked, and he thought, well... You told me to come here. He turns to Jesse and says, do you have any more sons? And Jesse says, well, yeah, I've got this pig squeak little kid out in the pasture. He's only 14 years old. There's no way he's going to be king. And Samuel rises up, bring that man here. We're not going to move. We're going to remain standing until he comes. And David comes into the room, and Samuel sees it. He knows it. He anoints him with oil. We have to receive the call and anointing. It's not just for David's. It's not just for leaders with titles and positions. This is a call and anointing that is for all of us. And the the faster we can grasp that, the more we will see change. We are the blockage to change. Because we're not walking in the fullness of our gifts and talents and what God has put in us. 
And we don't have to have, you don't have to wait around. Listen, people come to me and say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing everything God's called me to do because you're not letting me. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I have to carry that burden too the rest of my life? No, you don't need a title or a position. By the way, we got all kinds of things you can volunteer for. But you, God's given you stuff that he's not given other people inside of you, a personality. He'll use that personality. He's given you talents and skills that you need to develop. Receive the call and the anointing of leadership. It's something you wake up with the title of. Don't wait for somebody to give you that title. You are leading the people around you every day of your life. Next, we have to learn how to submit to God's leadership. Submit to God's leadership. Just because you've got something going doesn't mean you're going to do it the way God wants you to do it. Can you imagine at 14 years old, if Samuel had taken David to the, uh, to the, the castle, <laughs> whatever it was, and, and brought him to, the, you know, to Jerusalem and said, all right, Saul, get out of the way. This kid's going to run things from now on. At 14 years old, can you imagine him doing that? No, and yet here David is knowing in his heart that what just happened is real and is right. He felt the connection. He knew that this really was God calling him to be king and sent him right back out there to shepherd the sheep. He wasn't even leading a small group, for crying out loud. He was out there alone with no people, lonely. He was out there with Sheep that weren't too smart. And we, we use the word dumb in church. Dumb sheep. God led him right back into what he was doing. And while he was out there, his loneliness drove him to worship and intimacy with God. His trying to take care of these uneducated sheep brought him to a confrontation with a bear and a lion. And he grew in strength. And he grew as a warrior without being in charge of one person. God prepared him. He, he sent him right back out there and he prepared him. And one day... One day, by the way, he's got his guitar out there with him. It was a stringed instrument. I don't know what else to call it. It was a guitar. And so he's got his guitar out there with him. And what was happening in the palace was that King Saul had this evil spirit coming on him because of his rebellion. And he didn't know what to do. He's being harassed. He knew it was an evil spirit. And he said to the guys around him, hey, you've got to help me with this. And they said, listen, what you need is you need somebody who's skilled in the, with an instrument, and they lead you into an atmosphere of worship, and that will chase away this evil spirit. And Saul said, well, find me somebody like that. They said, well, we know of this young man named David. He's a skilled uh, worship leader in his own right. Actually, they didn't know that. He was actually a skilled musician, and they said, um, and he's in the, the house of Jesse, and he said, well, well, go get him, and here's, 
Here's what he said. He said, tell Jesse this. Send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. That's what he said. And so David came with his guitar. Now listen, while he's out there in the pasture, he's getting better with his guitar. They knew him. Out of all the people of Israel, they knew him with his skill. At this time, he's between 14 and 16. We think he was about 16 when he slayed Goliath. And he comes and he starts, he starts leading the worship of one, only Saul. But can you imagine, first of all, the fact that Saul knew nothing about this boy being anointed as king. And he is by the strategy of God He is calling this guy into his room in the palace to play the skilled instrument and lead him in the worship. Now, you can imagine what's going on in David's mind. I'm 15 years old. Last year, I was anointed to be king, and all of a sudden, the king sends a man to my house knocking on the door, asking me to come and and lead the king into worship. Can you imagine that? And so he's saying to himself, I don't know what's happening, but it's a God thing, that's for sure. I don't know what will come of this. I don't know how this happened. I don't know what's going on here, but it's a God thing. See, we've got to learn how to submit to God's leadership and let him at least don't reject opportunity that is obviously God maneuvering and leading you into a place of using a skill or talent, even if it's just for one person and what God may do with that. Listen, it wasn't about his skill. It was about the fact that God was positionally putting him in the palace as a transitional point, even at 15 years old. And so you may come, listen, you you may come to church and you start looking around and you say, man, I'm really talented at something. And so, boy, if they just knew that, I could get involved and do that if they just only knew. And you go up to one of us and you say, hey, I can do this thing, and then you may get frustrated because we didn't find a place for that right away. That's, that's not always the way it works, and I'm going to give you a good example of that. And I don't know if she's sitting here or not, or if she was in the last service, but Carol Ann. Carol Ann, are you in here? Okay, so Carol Ann, she was in the last service, but she led worship, she was on the worship team. Hey, listen, if you can't worship, just watch the bass player, for crying out loud. Did you see her this morning? Did you see her with the bass? That's the first time she's been there with the bass. She just had a baby a few weeks ago, okay? All right. Now, you may have seen her standing here leading and uh, helping Kelly with worship occasionally. And so when, when Carol Ann first came in the door, she walked right up to me. First Sunday she's here, she walks right up to me. She says, now, my name's Carol Ann, and I'm just telling you, I, my parents were real involved in the church, and I was too, and I can do this, this, and this, and I can lead worship, and I can play bass, and I can do this and that. And, and I said, whoa, whoa, all right, all right. And, uh, and, sh- and we said, well, what we told Carol Ann in the next few weeks, we said, you know, what we really need is we need somebody in the nursery. And she said, absolutely. She said, my father was the children's director at the church we came from. I know children's ministry. I mean, she implied she could run the children's program, and she probably can. And she went into the nursery and just loves those kids. Listen, then she later, many months later, uh, uh, she finds out that there's an audition and she starts that process. 
And then I see her up there today playing the bass. And I said, that girl told me the first day she came through that door that she could play the bass. Now, I, listen, this spot up here, there are only a few positions. This is not, I'm not talking about that you've got to be up here to be important. What I'm saying is that if you've got skill and talent, the, the, the deal is not using your talent. The deal, listen, you know what I did to her? I sent her to a leader and I said, this girl wants to get involved. The relationship with that leader is just as important as your skill or talent. David's relationship to the palace and to Saul and to be in that realm and to have that experience was part of his preparation for the days to come. And so don't be, don't be, don't shy back from doing something that you think is insignificant and nobody's going to see me doing this and I don't absolutely, I don't really like changing diapers. We've got to roll up our sleeves and get involved and let God take care of that stuff. Go back and take care of the sheep. He'll send you a lion and a bear. That happens in the nursery. Next, we've got to learn to slay the impossible. 16 years old, the boy takes Jesus. By the way, Saul is disconnecting. David's growing up a little bit, maybe changing the way he will go back and forth, the Bible says, to help his dad some with the sheep and come back and play his guitar, go back in him. And, 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 he, and the Bible says Saul loved him, but he, you know, Saul is surrounded by all this and he doesn't really notice everybody all the time. And he kind of lost connection with who David was. And David comes out with some food for his brothers and he comes to the front lines and he sees that that Goliath is coming out and challenging them to come against him. And they're so scared and they're all just hovering back and afraid of taking on this giant. And so David sees that and he says, come on, you're the army of the living God. You mean he, he's, that, that guy, is, that uncircumcised Philistine is challenging the army of the living God? And courage rose up in him. And he goes to Saul and says, I'll go. And so David goes out. The Bible says David ran. Remember that anointing of oil, the Holy Spirit would rush upon him? Here it says, David ran, 1 Samuel 17, David ran toward the army and prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. He ran toward. Now, he may not have landed. You know, I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sorry. Remember Star Wars, the original one? Remember when Luke Skywalker was, he kind of lost his uh, technical ability and he just kind of connected with the force and he just kind of flung that shot and it hit that little mark? It's the same here. David didn't just do this out of technicality, out of complete skill. David was, he had skill. But he was, he may have even closed his eyes at that point because he is trusting God and he's feeling the move of the Spirit as he's doing. He's running toward the Philistine and he flings that thing and it hits the right spot, sinks into his forehead, knocks him over dead. God may have planted the stone, but David is the one who ran toward him. David overcame fear with his courage and he was there to say, I'm going to take on the impossible. I've got news for you. 
when you're ready to rise up to the next level of leadership in your life, you're going to find an opportunity to slay the impossible. You're going to face an impossible scenario and you're going to go, this is impossible. And God says, mm-hmm. Because I can't get you to where I have, you to have you to be until you rise up in courage right now and face this thing head on. And it was out of that, this insignificant little kid that nobody knows who can't even lead a small group, and he goes out and slays the giant, and now everybody in Israel knows who David is. The promotion came through slaying the impossible. It wasn't because he filled out an application. It was because his anointing was observed and it was seen and everybody knew it except for Saul. Now let me tell you something. And I've got to finish this message. There are kids crying in the nursery. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, listen to me now, listen. The reason that you're having very little trouble with this transition, and, and I, I'm not just, he knows how to handle this, is because that boy sitting over there is slaying giants. He's slaying giants. During this series, The Case for Christ, 25 people, 27 people gave their hearts to Christ. 40 people were baptized. In the last year since he's been here leading the construction of this service and leading people to Christ, 111 people have come to Christ in 11 months. Now, I'm telling you, he doesn't know how to land the stone in the exact spot every time. He's just the guy who's willing to rush toward the enemy and sling his slingshot. Come to our staff meetings. The boy is slinging that slingshot. And at 5 o'clock, we're going, man, will we ever stop this meeting? He's changing things, praying about this. We're going to take care of that. This, let's go after these people. I mean, this guy is slinging his slingshot. That's why I can rest knowing, I don't mean rest, I'm about to travel the whole world for crying out loud, but I can rest in my spirit because the people have risen. See, here, here's what happened. The, it says that the people started singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Because he slayed the impossible, his leadership was identified, recognized. He didn't even have to be given the title. They were already calling it out. All right, next. Succeed in being you. Don't try to, you know, well, I've, if I'm going to be a certain kind of leader in this church if I'm really going to be somebody. No. Or I'm going to be like so-and-so on TV in order to really look like a Christian. No. 
I've got to act like uncle so-and-so and do what he does. No, you succeed in being you and the gifts God's put inside of you and what you have to offer and the way you relate. I realized a long time ago, there are lots of gifts and talents I don't have. What God's called me to do is be successful in the ones he's given me. And so I begin to realize there are a few things that I'm pretty good at. And so I work on them every day, and I, 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 I do it with children and adults, and I'm always working on these gifts that God's given me because that's me, that's who I am. Succeed in being you. When he tried to take on Saul's armor to face Goliath, he said, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. You know, as he grew up, then he started wearing his own armor, not, not Saul's. Pete's not going to wear my armor. Pete's not going to do everything the way I do them. Pete, in fact, because he is the leader, his personality and gifts and talents are going to reshape some of the culture of who we are. Give me 10 churches that all believe the exact same stuff, and I'll still show you 10 churches that are totally different from each other because the cultural is a little bit different in each place. And that's God's design. It's His design. Let it develop. Don't, be, don't hold on to Saul's culture. Don't hold on to a culture from the past, even if it's good. But learn to loosen up because God is calling a rise of leadership that will change the culture so that we get out of our comfort zones and begin to do things that will actually have results. That's what He's calling for. Pete's His own man. He's not going to do things the way I, I would do them all the time. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. You know, and so embrace that. And then last of all, celebrate the rise of leadership. So Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They begin to celebrate as they saw what God was doing. Samuel had already seen it. But now the people are seeing it as he rises up. what, What Saul did was, Saul loved David at that point, and just before this verse. <laughs> and Saul put David on a horse and put him under the leadership of his commander of the army and said, take this boy out there and let him start doing exploits for our kingdom. And David went out there, and he became excellent in battle. And every time he came back, people would go, wow, look what that guy did. And they began to sing the song, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands without them even realizing what they were saying was, he's going to be king. Saul didn't like that. Saul became jealous. Saul became intimidated. Saul thought, oh no, he's going to take my place. And he began to reject. He loved David. And yet, he rejected David. You know, there there are people, there there are fathers who do that who love their children and reject them. Leaders will do this. And so he loved David, but he threw spears at him. I'm not going to do that. I made a decision before you even knew about this process that I would not be Saul. I made a decision that I would not be Moses, who had to die in order for the new guy to rise up. I made a decision that I would be a David as the new David came into place. I would be uh, a Joshua as 
As the old dies off, I'm going to grow into the new as well. And this is what I'm calling you to do, to rise up into a new place of leadership in your mind. You may have been here. You may be that crowd that didn't stand up. You're a part of my, you know, of those of us who have been around and we, we kind of carry a feeling about the church and, and all of that. But God's calling all of us to stand up into the new leadership mentality. You might even let go of the thing you've been leading so that you can take on another role, take on a new level of of involvement, something that's not being taken care of yet. And we need somebody to take care of. We've got all kinds of ideas and ministry, but it takes people who are leaders to go out and take on those projects. And so those of you who've been around for a while and you like what you do, maybe you should say, hey, Lord, I'm not tied to this. I'm willing to let go in order to get something done for the new call to the rise of leadership. And that's how he changes a family. It's how he changes a community. It's how he changes a nation. I am David. I am not Saul. I am Joshua. I am not Moses. And that's who you need to be as well as we walk into what God has for us. It won't always be perfect. It's not all, it, everything's not going to be together. There are going to be times, man, we're going to be, all these people are coming to Christ, and you're going to say, well, what about these people being discipled? Well, this is happening so fast. You might give us a little time to get things in place, you know, but this is a God thing, and the Holy Spirit, He's a good discipler, and He'll lead us into this and let those people who've just come to Christ encourage them to share their faith and, You can tell them. If somebody comes to me and says, what about discipleship? I'm going to say, who are you discipling? If you're serious about discipleship, are you helping the new believer? Are you getting together with them and sharing with them the word? This is is all about us taking this thing on together and, and recognize what's happening right now. There is a move happening in this place right now. Now, rise up and embrace it. Change your thinking about who you are and let God put fresh anointing on your life as a result. And let's do it together. Father, thank you for your calling in our lives. What what an exciting thing to be a David, to be one of those believers at Pentecost to be a part of the church of 2017 that is invading the world right now and changing lives for the grace of God thank you that we can be a part of that and you've called us to it Lord teach us how to embrace it how to be it how to experience If you're here this morning, you've never given your heart to Christ. You've heard us talk about it. But you know you've never really arrived at that place of saying, Jesus, come into my life. And you've not given your heart to Christ. This morning, right now, take a step of action. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. Just raise your hand while people's heads are bowed. And let me see your hand. I want to follow Jesus. I'm going to give my life to him. Just raise your hand just to make that commitment with God 
this morning. He'll lead you the rest of the way. You don't have to know how to do everything. But let God lead you into that. And for the rest of us, we've, Lord, raise us up. Let us stand with your grace to fulfill your call. Thank you, Father, for your leadership.